Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and when I was 15, I meddled in a cross-country race in New Hampshire with a broken freaking back! I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and I get sick every time I eat chocolate. I think it has something to do with sneaking out of my bed as a six-year-old child to eat all the candy I got for Halloween, which mostly consisted of bite-sized Reese's peanut butter cups. Gross. Karma. Well, our pal Tommy Rico was hoping to pull a Cody Rhodes of his own today, but uh, we couldn't get him medically cleared in time for the show. Feel better, Tommy, but like the Judgment Day, there must be a third member. So please say hello to our very special guest, from NXT, WWE, and AEW, Danielle Camella. Oh my yeah. gosh, Danielle Hello. is here. We, How are you guys? Thank very you exciting. so much. Thank you for, for doing the run in and helping us save this one today. We oh, were of course, I'm a, here when you need just me. Just the last minute. Who's in town? And uh, <laughs> on Zoom, everyone's in town. Thank you so much for coming on. And Thank uh, you. we so have welcome. so much to discuss. We've been uh, it's been in the works for several weeks, and it's just such an interesting time uh, in the business. And uh, you know particularly for women in the business, in, in, in the world of wrestling. Uh, there's been a lot of, um, as an old uh, colleague of Julie and I used to say, con- controversy about uh, what's going on <laughs> in uh, the wrestling world, controversy to most. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, inter- introduce yourself to everybody. Um, how, tell us who you are and how you got into wrestling. That's always the fascinating story of. Yeah, it's so interesting because everyone has, you know, a different story of how they get into the business. But this is mine. So. Um, At the time I was living in LA, Um, I had worked for Fox Sports Arizona for a couple of years before. And when they dissolved kind of the position that I had, I was like, all right, it's my time. I'm going to move out to LA. I'm going to, you know, try this whole entertainment thing and just give it like a hundred percent. So I was living that LA lifestyle, going to auditions every day, you know, trying just to like get by and working gig to gig. And I saw online that there was an audition to be on a reality TV show. And this reality TV show was called Tough Enough. So, I mean, most wrestling fans know what Tough Enough is. They haven't done the show in a while, but you are competing to win a WWE contract. And at the time I was like, oof, like I, reality TV isn't necessarily my thing, but if I could win a contract to become a WWE diva, hell yeah, it's totally worth it. I am going to go for it. So I basically submitted to the audition and they said, okay, we want you to come and actually try out to be a part of the show. So I was stoked um, to kind of go back a little bit growing up. I had always been a wrestling fan and I had thought like, wow, these WWE divas are so amazing. Like they're strong, they're beautiful and they can kick ass. Um, and I grew up a competitive gymnast. So I already had like muscles and I was like, that would have been be the coolest career ever, but it's such a long shot. Like who actually thinks like, oh, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. That's what went on in my head. So I pursued a bunch of other dreams before this. I'll be honest. Even I, as a kid was like, I can't wait to be a manager. Maybe (laughs) I was like, I would listen to Bobby Heenan and go, Hmm. And I'd take notes and everyone was like, I'm just being realistic. So definitely gymnast is definitely who called you from WWE. Do you mind if I, do you remember who it was? Was it, I think it would have been Canyon for sure. It would have been Canyon. So, um, just for the TV show, I think, cause he deals with all the incoming talent. This was like, had to have been like seven, maybe even not eight years ago, maybe seven years ago, this happened. So um, I was obviously so excited that they wanted me to audition for the show. So I flew out to Orlando and what they put us through was harder because I later did like an actual NXT tryout, but it was harder than anything I've ever done before. And I think because with reality TV, they want to see you struggling. They want to see you like you know, having a rough time, it makes for more entertaining TV. But I went through that whole audition process and Canyon actually told me, he's like, listen, like, we don't want you for the show, but we do want you to come back and try out to, you know, be a member of the roster. And I was like, Oh, awesome. I don't have to be on reality TV. This is great. (laughs) I was just going to say that sounds much better. Like, I was just like, it's like, you don't have to be over here with all these jokers. Uh, with right. the, like, the, it, it, Mar- like Mary's got talent. The guy with the 
uh, like the ventriloquist doll that's like, you know, just the head falls off. But you don't have to do that. You get yes. to come. That's so, that's amazing. So I know. And so I was happy because I watched the show and they like the living conditions and all of that. I was like, oof, that yeah. might have been rough for me. But um, that season was when Mandy and um, Sonia were on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So when I got back to L.A., I was like, I should probably make sure this is something I like to do and that like I could see myself doing before I go back and try out and then you know end up being like I hate this <laughs> so I found a wrestling school in LA which is called Knox Pro mm. um it's ran by Rikishi it was ran by Gangrel and oh, Reno wow. Black Pearl at the time yeah so um I told them I was like hey like I want to see if I could do this so I just went into the school did my first training hopped in the ring and I remember Gangrel, he was running like the drills, the roles, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like copying everyone in front of me, you know? Yeah. And then it got to the point where they were bumping and I was like, uh, I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I just remember touching uh, the, with my hand for the first time, uh, WWE ring. And uh, it's it was weird, like, right? It, yeah, it was very jarring. It was before I was working at the company. I was, it was when I was at the Tonight Show and I, I, I was at WrestleMania wants to do something and uh, yeah, it just, I was like, cause in your head as a kid, you know, uh, my dad was always a cynic. So he would always say mm-hmm. like, it's just cause they would, they would call it canvas and he'd say, say, it's just, he would go, it's just like a, it's like a stretched out trampoline. It's nothing. <laughs> and then I remember putting my hand, I was like, this feels like metal. I was like, this really feels uh, very hard. And then you see people, you see the bruises like when you're mm-hmm. backstage at TV or even in the office, like, you know, oh, yeah. someone will come in and you just kind of see their arms and it's like, woof. That, yeah. That's not just trampoline. That's uh, yeah. that's the real deal. Definitely. And I think um, during my first training session, Miro or Rusev was there oh, wow. um, at the time too. And they were going to like run the ropes and I was asking him, I was like, do you think I should do this? I've never do. I've never done this. He's like, probably like not right now. <laughs> Yeah, so, there are some bad stories about people running the ropes the first time. That's another thing. That yeah. Sounds e- sounds easy, but not easy. And, well, yeah, your whole the whole upper back gets bruised up too, which I wasn't expecting because yeah. you're thinking those things to be like rubber bands. Like, no, there's metal underneath Rope. those. Well, we all saw yeah. what happened to Bobby Lashley just recently when oh, mm-hmm. went through, and you imagine that force. But also, shout out to uh, Rikishi, um, who her, heard nothing but good things. About right. Rikishi and also Gang Grail, who oh, yeah. just showed up on AEW and Monster Pop. People went crazy for Gang Grail. It felt so good. Like I, I was, I was in high school again. See, and I it know. just can you tell us? I, I we don't want to break some. You know, Gang Grail. I always look at someone who's very kayfabe, and I think that's yes, great. But for sure, cool to work with, cool to learn from. Oh my gosh, yeah, so amazing to work with because Rikishi and Reno, they were more like the character and the storytelling, which is funny because Gangrel has a very uh, like he's a character. You yes. know what I mean? But yeah, he was very about the basics. Like you're going to you're going to be on the floor. You're going to learn how to chain wrestle oh before gosh. you do any of that, like high flying stuff. So I learned so much from him and he was he was tough as well. Um, I know I remember like when I was learning how to sell in the ring, like I just I was not good at all. I didn't know what I was doing. And he kind of like was tough on me when it came to that, put some heat on me. And he really kind of taught me how to sell. Now, do you, if um, you don't mind my asking, so selling, uh, if anyone's just tuning in, that means you're, you're injured. And so it's like, yes. you know, it's like, you know, it's like on law and order, you don't see someone just sit up on the stretcher and start checking their phone. It's like, no, you gotta, yeah, sell if you're the victim there. So if you don't mind my asking, because everyone, this yeah. is always another one that's funded, sort of. Um, what were you struggling with in the selling? Was there anything? Because I knew I talked to someone there and they were like, I just had this thing where I would laugh. And they were like, um, they would get nervous. Oh it was a male superstar and uh, they had to really get over it. And you, what was it in particular that was just like the struggle? Because that is right. such it's a skill. Well, I think also when you're learning and you're new, like you're so nervous and you don't, you feel like you're like, you look stupid. And that was something I, everyone, you know, in life has to get over the feeling of like looking stupid, but especially in wrestling, when I'm learning something that's so foreign to me, um, 
I was like just intimidated. And uh, I guess the hardest part about learning to sell for me is, and this is embarrassing to say, but I have never been in a real fight. I've been trying to get in a real fight my entire life. It's on my bucket list. (laughs) Yeah. I tell people this all the time, but I'm like, well, I don't know how I would like act if someone like punched me in the face because I've never been punched in the face. So I really have been trying to get in a fight my entire life to understand (laughs) that. But for me, it was just making things like real look real. And I went back and watched like a lot of fighting, like fight scenes and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, like if I was punched like this, my head's not going to go this way, you know, like things like that. I understand. Yeah. So in other words, so it's that old thing where, yeah, because that was something that always that it would take me is that like, and, and like, just I'll go back. Like this is, I'm not comparing, but like in high school drama, when someone takes a left hand and goes and slaps someone across the face as a fake slap, yeah. but then the head goes towards the <laughs> hand slapping. So that's what you're describing. Is that like that sort of thing where it's like, yeah, your head wouldn't go that way if you were just hit really hard the right. other direction. Okay. Or like if you got a small kick to the stomach, you're not going to double over and be on the floor. Like little things like that, that I just had like okay. never, even like thought about and so, so that's amazing so especially like if things go haywire and you got to call a match in the ring it's like in your head you have to be able to process the value of each uh, of each set of offense your opponent's getting in and how i how you would react to that that's incredibly yeah. difficult because in a hollywood set i mean they they literally spend a day or two or sometimes a week depending on the scene, mapping out, okay, this is what you're going to do exactly this, but in mm-hmm. live show, live crowd, someone misses a spot. You don't have that luxury. And you got to know this means that this means that. Right. And when I was living in LA, I did take some classes on like stunt choreography because I was just interested in learning that. And it's, it's totally different because you're, they're not making contact with you at all. It's all like smoke and mirrors with a camera, but wrestling is so different because it's live. There's mm. no, you know, like, edits in there and it just has to come across more real, I suppose. So fight scenes are like totally, totally different. And it's almost, and I would say that's probably in terms of when you hear about people talk about a good match versus a bad match, a lot of the more infamous bad matches, it comes down to the selling either someone, either both wrestlers don't sell and that turns turns into a nightmare. That's a lot of uh, big guy versus big guy matches. or overselling and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not going to name names but there was a a, a, i'll just say back in 2005 there was a very famous match between two hall of famers and uh someone really really got enthusiastic about taking his bumps when he found out that it was going to be a one-off match and there wasn't going to be a rematch and yeah it just does the fans just start like you know, it's like if you're a comedian you go up with suspenders that rainbows and you just keep you know smacking them going right everybody (laughs) and it's just like yes yeah, you lose the crowd. What was? Do you have a favorite moment from from in ring training, like with Rikishi, with with Gang Grail, uh, you know, with Miro? Like favorite <laughs> moment down there, or something you witnessed that is just like, man, like I'm so glad I got to see that. So glad I got to be a part of that. There was so many different things, but I think so. This isn't really wrestling related, but this is a memory I'll always have from being a part of Knox Pro. Is we did a lot of like outside things and we were a part of this movie called kingdom of gladiators and it's on Amazon. So, but (laughs) um, we basically built all of us, like built the whole set together. We choreographed the fight scenes, like we did everything. And it was just really cool to see their creativity when it came to that. And also like all the students, just all of us coming together and putting in all these hours to build a set, to um, do these different like fight scenes and create this story. So it's interesting. And it was very cool to see kind of their wrestling minds um, translate over to this movie that we did. So that will always like stand out to me. But every day was something different. You know what I mean? So. I, I have so that. many memories with that. Them. Oh, that's very cool. Now yeah, I want to, I want to learn you're at the, your, your training. Um, you get, I, I assume at some point because you end up at NXT, you get called to the performance center. You're mm-hmm. pursuing this. I want to know what was the vision behind the vision and how did that come to light? For sure. So, um, for people that might not know, I called myself the vision. That was my character. That was Vanessa Bourne. And I kind of just wanted a way to combine 
things that I was already interested in to kind of make my character authentic. And I have always loved art. I like consuming art. I like creating art. So I wanted to kind of create this like character who was art herself, if that makes sense. So I wanted everything I did to kind of be like a performance to be, you know, like I am this canvas that I have like painted and have this kind of like over the top, um, type of character where everything I did was a work of art. So that is kind of the foundation for the vision. And then I kind of tried to branch it off in um, different directions. But I also looked at art and the art scene. You know, a lot of people think it's full of snooty people, which it can be. And so I kind of wanted to pull from that as well and make my character this snooty, like I'm better than everyone else type personality. And I, the inspiration for that is when I was younger, I've gone through phases of being the one who was bullied um, and kind of like an outcast to going, and that was in middle school, um, and then going to high school, a different high school with no one from middle school and kind of transforming into like the more popular girl and being the mean girl. So, which is so ironic, you know, like, oh, now the mean girl's doing the picking or the you know, the popular girls picking on the other kids now, even though she was like picked on when she was younger. So I kind of pulled from that as well in um, my persona. Oh, that's amazing. And as you were developing this, um, how how was it being shaped with NXT and the NXT team? Honestly, like most of it, I didn't, I wouldn't say I got like too much character direction when it came to NXT um, because I would pitch a lot of ideas and. I think when you're trying to create something unique and different, it's, it's tough sometimes because you can have all of these different ideas and it's like, well, how do I bring these together and make something that one, the audience can understand and two is like realistic. So, I mean, over the time in NXT, I pitched tons of ideas, like kind of like gang girl. I, I love like vampires. I kind of wanted to have like that type of persona one time, you know, another time I had pitched um, an actress character, which I know we were talking about that yes, on raw. I know. So it's kind of we funny. Gonna, how that we had you do around. monologues. I remember this. That was my favorite. It was so good. It was so fun. I was like, Oh my gosh, I get to practice my acting and it could potentially be my character. It was awesome. Um, I think we had you doing Shakespeare too. Is that right? Wasn't there a Shakespeare one? There was, I think that was like the first one and I had to do it at raw. And I I was like, oh my gosh, where am I going to film it? Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that, Danielle. So what, that's right. Can, that's can right. You give me again the description. What was the, so like, what was the backdrop? Where are we shooting this? Like, what was this going to, what was the whole presentation going to be? Because I love For the Shakespeare? Yeah, because I'm, okay. I'm a big backstage, so, like, like promo kind of person. Yeah, okay, I like, guess we're jumping around a little bit. But when I did get called up to Raw and I was working with Julie, they had this idea for me where they wanted me to be this like, actress. So they started out by, you know, I reported to Raw and they were like, okay, your assignment for tonight, since I wasn't on TV yet, they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do and like kind of present this actress character. Um, so they're like, there's this Shakespeare monologue, like your assignment for tonight is to record this monologue. And it was long and it was like wordy. And I'm like, oh shit, like, okay. <laughs> So I was just like walking around the arena, trying to find like an empty space where I could like set up my phone and like try to get this script down. And I think I found like an empty hallway by a staircase. And I just, uh, it was where they were like also having pictures like in the background. So I was like, okay, I don't want to be like too loud, but I need to make sure it's like <laughs> decent. And also, right. can I say that Danielle not only recorded and was it phenomenal she gave us three different takes too and was like <laughs> you know i i whatever you oh, guys wow. feel i just wanted to provide you and i was like i remember i got it and i was like oh my god she gave me three different takes i'm so excited like i remember watching them and be like we have so much to work with she's an actress she gave like, us three takes different takes too. yes yeah i'm a freak about that stuff because i'm just like oh like well i don't know i didn't like this so maybe if i do it a different way and yeah so that was kind of how that first I guess promo went down um so it was so much fun but it was like you got to work with what you got you know yeah <laughs> and can I say like you said I know we're jumping around but I when I saw the L Woods um promo that you did and put on Twitter which is one of my favorite things in the entire world Thank if people you. haven't seen it you need to watch it it's so good and I just want to see that character come to life it and I felt as you were doing that I just felt 
that the actress character that was being developed and um, uh, we were trying to pull from, I just saw it in Elle Woods and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the performer. This is the character. This is what I want to see. And the writing was so good. Um, uh, I, did you actually write all of that? I did. It was uh-huh. so, so good, Danielle. Was- Thank you. I know like most of my promos that I would do for like promo class in NXT, like I would write. And that was like one of my favorite things to do Um, just because that's a whole nother creative outlet. And then when you look at like this promo package that I created, I look at it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I put this all together and like I like it. You know, it turned out well. So it turned out um, more than well. It went viral. I feel like I saw so many people (laughs) covering it and picking it up. It was amazing. It was it was really well done. And it just makes me want to see more. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I definitely. Well, two things I want to point out is that like hats off because like uh, I think that that's something that um, wrestling needs right now is people that can kind of write and put more mm-hmm. a lot of themselves into their own promos because, um, you know, in my brief time at WWE, uh, when it was coming, like when deal was coming up and we were going to talk like, what do we do? My honest thought was I was like, I feel like I like me and probably 10 other people here are kind of part of the problem. Cause I felt like we're just, there's when you have three writers go up to one wrestler and say, Hey, can you, it's just, man, it's like it kind of be the opposite. Like it kind of feels like, I feel like in 20, 30 years ago, you'd have a smaller creative team and they would dealt with people more one-on-one. And then there would be wrestlers that knew how to put themselves into the character. So, um, I'd like, I'd love to see more and I'd love to see, you know, like I, I know what Julie's talking about and I urge everybody to go check it out. We'll, we'll give everyone your handles uh, at the end here. Um, but uh, to any, to anyone listening out there <laughs> and uh, we you know we have some people listening. Um, I say, uh, give Danielle a call because I'd love to see some <laughs> truth to camera as they call it. But um, the other thing is you brought up promo promo class. Mm-hmm. And so I, worked with someone one day and I directed him and he sort of gave me his version. He had Vince okay. that would come in for every, and his description was every day, 8 AM. Um, you know, uh, Vince would come in and it was almost like a drill sergeant thing. And I heard some crazy stories. What was your experience in promo class? What was, how did that go? Well, my promo class was more so in NXT because on the main roster, you don't really have, uh, promo class, but um, in NXT, we would have different assignments like every single week, and we could be like creative and as flexible as we wanted to be. So there was rarely a time where they were like, "This is your promo, and this is what you're cutting for promo class." It was it would be like, "This is this is one of my favorites." Okay, if you happen to be in an elevator with Vince, give us your elevator pitch that you would like say to him to convince him that like you want to go up to the main roster. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So that was like one assignment we had where it's like you have, you know, you run into Vince and he says, okay, like show me what you got. Like that was one promo class that I distinctively remember because I was like, oh my gosh, like if this were actually happening, I I don't, I don't know what I would do. But so we, we got a lot of creative freedom when it came to promo class in NXT. Who was running the promo class? Who who did you have as your, sorry if I missed that. Um, so it started with Ryan Katz and then like you move up. Yeah. There's like two or three promo classes. One is like beginner and then there's another one that's like advanced and then TV people. Mm. So it kind of went in that order um, in NXT. Got it. Who would you love to work with again? Even if I haven't worked with them yeah, before? Sure. Even if you haven't, who who do you want to work with? Yeah. I guess I would say like right now, probably Becky, because I mean, I've watched her, you know, career develop over the years. And I just think like everything she does just has meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's believable. I really like the fact that she took everything to Twitter and made just made everything come full circle, because I feel like a lot of people don't and I thought this way in NXT, utilize Twitter. Mm. A lot of fans do have Twitter. I know it's not like everyone. It still is a small percentage when it comes to the grand scheme of things. But to be able to, you know, go on TV and cut a promo and then later talk about it in character on Twitter just adds so much. And you could get to know a wrestler and their character by just looking at their Twitter. Mm. So 
yeah, I guess I would say Becky because I thought she did a really good job with that, especially when she first like became the man. Um, and it was really believable to me. So I agree completely. Um, I'll ask another trickier one. I'll throw you a curveball mm-hmm. here. If we right. go back in the, in wrestling history, legends, mm-hmm. any women you'd want to work with in the ring. You grew oh up watching gosh. you said, oh my gosh, this is the person. Um, I'd have to say Sherry Martell because mm, I've always looked go. at her as like such an inspiration. And I know there's even been moments where, um, you know, my coach Sarah back in the day, well, not back in the day, you know, like a few years ago was like, you have some tendencies in the ring that remind me of her. So tap into that when it comes to like your viciousness and things like that. And I like thought that was like the biggest compliment because I just am like, have always loved watching her. And, um, you know, when I was going, coming up in NXT, like I wanted to kind of bring back those like old school things that she did, like in the ring and stuff like that. So, and she's amazing on the mic as well. She, Sherry was, yeah, I was a weird kid. And that my favorite, uh, male wrestler was the undertaker, which is kind of weird when you're like eight or nine. I like the dead guy that's trying to kill Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, and then I, like it was like we would like everyone would make fun of Sherry. It was scary Sherry, you know. We would mm-hmm. take all the taunts that they gave us. I always secretly kind of had a crush on Sherry. Like, like I was always. Everyone always talks about Miss Elizabeth, and I was like, yeah, Sherry though. Like, I was yes. like, I was like, she's like, she's cool. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know if it was like a like just a nerd being like maybe I could be cool if I like if I like just was friends with Sherry. She showed me <laughs> do some cool stuff. But like yeah, one of the all time greats, and it was just. From from what I've heard, just always up for anything and just like made it work and was just so great. That's that's right. yeah, that's I'll, another name that's sort of been out there a lot in the news lately as, as it applies, especially to NXT uh, Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, did you work with Hunter very much in NXT or is, is it kind of a you know, or did you not? I guess I would say. No, we did. Like everyone in NXT, like Hunter, you know, was above like all of us. So, Mm -hmm. and he was always just very open. Like I, I've never had a bad interaction with him. He was always very nice to me. Um, You know, I looked at him like at first, like, oh gosh, he's kind of intimidating, you know? Um, Yeah. But every time I ever needed to like ask him something or if he would speak to me, he was always like approachable. So well, he's a New Hampshire um, guy. Like, I mean, we're yeah, like, he, I'm, I'm from New Hampshire and I always like in my head, I'm all, and then Julie's like, yeah, you're not as, you're not as tough and mean as you think. You're just kind of a, and it's like, I feel like triple H is the same way as a wrestler where there's just this like thing. And I get that. Like, it's just, he kind of reminds me of something cause he grew up about a half hour away from me. He's a fair okay. amount of, older than me i think he was more of an 80s kid i was a 90s kid um but same thing he was always uh super approachable everyone's always had nice mm-hmm. things to say julie we did things at fallon with him that were just uh great and it's so cool to hear that and that leads me to my next question yeah. which is maybe a little bit trickier which is that uh hunter's real life uh significant other stephanie mcmahon mm-hmm. um recently went on quote sabbatical from WWE mm-hmm. and um I say quote because uh they WWE announced ba- essentially a new person in her position. It I I like Stephanie a lot. So I, I have a hard mm-hmm. time saying replacement because I'm just like yeah, those are big shoes right. to fill. Um and so I guess my question for you is um how do you think that works for WWE? How do you think that affects things? backstage but also optics wise like just for people looking at the company because that was very big news that stephanie mcmahon departed right right and i do not know all the details um especially because i'm not like on the inside anymore but um i think it does affect it because i always looked at stephanie as a role model especially someone who was basically like born in the business and who really did a a great job of carrying herself and representing WWE. Well, um, I don't know exactly, you know, why, you know, she had her departure and all of this and everything like that. But I mean, I don't think if she just got replaced because they thought someone, you know, else was better or this and that, I don't think that's a good look, but actually jumping off that Danielle, I would love to talk to you about, uh, 
being a being a female in in this industry. I think coming in my own personal experiences, uh, wrestling historically has been male dominated. Its audience is primarily male centric. Definitely. Um, well, I feel like before I even got to WWE, I was working in sports, which is also a male dominated industry. Absolutely. So I think in some way that kind of prepared me a little bit because I'm used to having, you know, to work, not saying like we have to work harder, but at the same time, because we're kind of outnumbered, we do have to make sure, you know, we're always proving ourselves and that we deserve to be there. So when I first came into, you know, NXT, I'll rem- I always remember the fact that I wanted, you know, my character, I think this relates, but I wanted my character to be this kind of like sexy over the top character. And that was my interpretation of what I wanted to be. And at the time they were like, well, we're focusing more on female athleticism and um, empowerment. Mm. And so that's what I was told when I came up with this more like kind of risque character. And in my mind, I was like, well, like, how are you as a man going to tell me like what empowers me? Great question. Danielle, great question. (laughs) That was one of those moments. And in hindsight, I always go back. I'm like, why didn't I say that at the time? But, um, I'll just call the elephant in the room and say, I think we kind of know, sadly, why sometimes people don't say that in the moment. Um, right, right. Male or female at certain companies when they're given creative instruction, because, you know, definitely independent contractor. Um, I know, I know. And know. I feel like that builds up over time. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so that was kind of interesting to me because I'm like, okay, they're trying really hard to showcase women in a specific way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's like how we want to be portrayed or how we express ourselves. So I I have seen the shift over time of where they are giving the women more creative freedom, more time, making them, you know, seem more equal to the male wrestlers. So it, it has been cool to see how that's developed you know, over the years. And um, even now I look at the NXT roster and I'm like, oh, well, the character I was doing back then would fit in perfectly now. Like they're letting, you know, you know, the women do whatever. But um, yeah, it has been cool to see, especially when it comes to match time and the amount of women they are showcasing. So, I mean, that triple threat in uh, Hell in a Cell the other night. I mean, that was Julie. I remember it was either you or Tom texted me and said, this is everything. That was just the, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it kind of was. It was like, um, I mean, it ended up having a strong finish uh, with, with Cody, but that to, to open with a match like that. Um, I mean, it's really like, to me, I'm, if I'm, I look at that, I go, you can close with that. I'm almost like, mm-hmm. even at hell in a cell, even though it's not hell in a cell, uh, that was such a great match. And it had such a great finish too, that it was just like, so well, I'll just be honest. I, I look at the women's finishes and there's a story there. Whereas some of the men's finishes, it really just does feel like, oh, he's knocked out one, two, three. And it's just like, well, it's not really. It's like, yeah, of course he's going to lose. There's a lot of, you know, foot on the chest. That's the pin. And then I look at the women's matches. I'm like, effort went into this. There's two big names. This is another tricky issue that, that are that have been in the news as of late. Um, Sasha Banks and Naomi have been two mm-hmm. names who were part of that women's revolution and gave us so many memorable moments. And, um, uh, you know, I kind of, it, it went viral on Twitter. Of course, Michael Cole's the statement Michael Cole had to deliver. And again, I've said this over and over that he delivered it. We, I don't mm-hmm. think Michael wrote that statement, uh, addressing, uh, Sasha and Naomi quote, walking out of the company. Um, cause uh, like, a billion changes during one day to their creative. Um, but also I noticed a lot of people noticed Pat McAfee's reaction, which is just kind of like, what? Like, you know, and that was his, a lot of people what came, you know, he did kind of seem like he went corporate, uh, in the aftermath, but his in the moment reaction to that was kind of, I think we all felt, which was like, Jesus, like it was just, these are two people who've given us so many memories. And this just happened a few days ago. And just so quick, it seemed like this amazing, um, I guess I would say any thoughts on that. And then just also 
is that part of is that a, a part of the culture in wrestling still that maybe just needs to be addressed where it's like maybe maybe not everyone's being heard as equally as they should be right um i mean when it comes to the statement i feel like i mean obviously everyone was giving him shit for it but it's like it, it didn't i don't think either it came from him yes he no, did just deliver not, not it michael cole right so and i mean whatever led to all of that happening and transpiring I don't think they necessarily needed to say that they could have, you know, they could have said something else. So whoever made the call, but at the same time, it's like, well, maybe they really are planning on doing some sort of storyline down the road. Like that's how you think when you've been, you know, with WWE, you're like, okay, well, maybe this is leading somewhere. So that's why they said it. Like you just never know, but um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where you don't want to like stick up for yourself or say anything. You just want to, you know, keep your head down and make sure you're doing everything right. That does, build up over time. So apparently, you know, this is, was probably a moment for them where, when they're like, whatever happened, they're just like, no, like, so. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, like Sasha in particular had been through the rig ringer so many times and was kind of going, kind of doing the John Cena work right now of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna help other people get over. I'm going to be a tag team champion, easily be, you know, uh, a champion champion. Not that demeaning tag teams, but let's be real. Vince doesn't put as much effort into the tag teams and in terms of creative as, as, uh, you know, maybe Hunter did, but, um, yeah, I was really kind of impressed with Sasha, just like her work. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like what you said, where I could just see where if things changed at the last minute. Yeah. It probably is just like, you know what? I've been, you know, being the, the taking the high road long enough. And I'm starting to wonder if, you know, am I going or, off cliff here? And it kind of feels like that might've been the thinking, right? Right. And like, as a, a wrestler, you want to take every moment and make it the most you can, and you want to improve the product. Right. Yeah. So I could also see how, you know, as like the tag team champions, like you want to elevate these titles and they're not letting you elevate the titles. So that, that in my opinion would be frustrating too, because it's like, Yes, you know, we compete as individuals, but when you're in the tag, in a tag and in the tag team division, it's like, let's make this shit good. Like tag team wrestling is fun and it's amazing. So to kind of like shit on those titles is, I mean, it's kind of like, then what is even the point? Guys, it's all about confidence when you're alone with your consensual partner, right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun for both of you. Well, Blue Chew is here to help. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because Blue Chew is an online prescription service to combat ED, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package, unlike your package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of your licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code TURNBUCKLES at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code TURNBUCKLES to receive your first month free. This episode of TURNBUCKLES is sponsored by NordVPN. What is a VPN? VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. It's a service that safeguards your internet connection and privacy online. Let's face it, no one likes to be watched or tracked. That's why it's important you step up your privacy game. When you use NordVPN, your traffic is encrypted so no one can see what you do online. Anytime I connect to public Wi-Fi, I use NordVPN to encrypt my connection so that cyber criminals can't steal my data or inject malware into my device. NordVPN is available on every major platform, so you can use it on any device, even your Android TV. It's also the fastest VPN out there, so you're never sacrificing speed. One of the best parts of NordVPN is that it lets you access your streaming content from anywhere. Let's say you're traveling abroad or don't live in the U.S., With NordVPN, you can set a U.S. location in one click and watch all the WWE Network shows you want. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash turnbuckles. 
to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and free threat protection and one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash turnbuckles for your exclusive deal. On a happier note, we got to see you in All Elite Wrestling. Yes. Oh my gosh, year. yes. And How was that? So cool on <laughs> AEW, on Dynamite, on the main show. So we talk a lot about Tony Khan. We've had fun with mm-hmm. Tony. Um, uh, the joke I always say is, uh, you know, he's a guy that inherited a lot of money from his dad, and he's a president, and he tweets a lot. When has that gone wrong? But um, tell what is he really like? What's it like working with Tony? And I've always heard, I've heard good things. It's just. Oh, my know, gosh. Yeah. Every interaction I've had with him, he's just smiling. He's like happy, this upbeat. And he, I guess I would say like, when I look at him, he's not as like scary or intimidating because I feel like in WWE, everyone who was above me, like I was intimidated by. Mm. And even growing up, I was like more of a fearful child. So like being in that type of environment where I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't approach this person or that person, or, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like Tony was just very approachable because he just was like laid back. Um, You could just tell he was so excited about everything that happened like within his show. And I had like so much fun, like working for him and working with him Um, and being on dynamite. That was honestly probably one of my favorite experiences Britt that Baker. I've had in my wrestling. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, and one of my favorite experiences. Yeah. And so just a good vibe. And have you been in, have you, have you kept in contact with anyone there? Have you talked to any, anyone there? Cause I mean, we want, we a, want a to little see bit, that. but like, you know, they do a lot of stuff. They do like dark in Florida mm-hmm. and I don't live in Florida. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I've thought about like, well, maybe I'll just go back to Florida for a little bit to potentially have more opportunities to do that, which I I, I can always do right now. I'm kind of like flexible, but yeah, I would love to work um, with AEW and with Tony again. Um, being on Dynamite was just so fun, especially because I am a, a huge football fan and a Cardinals fan. And we did play the Steelers in Super Bowl 43. So the fact that Britt had, you know, two players out with her just huh. kind of added like a whole oh other element to that match. The terrible yeah. towels. I saw that you were yeah. leading up to Pittsburgh and it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. So that was fun to even like, you know, even though that was like kind of a one off at the time, like to be able to tell that story in my like own way, you know what I mean? Like through tweets and then even the promo I did was uh, cool. It was phenomenal, Danielle. Now, now (laughs) what do you prefer baby face or heel? What, where do you feel most comfortable and what do you like doing? So I've always, I've never really been a baby face. So it's been like, you know, I've been wrestling for like six years now and I've always been a heel. Um, But I had the qualifying match for the Owen Hart classic and I had to be a baby face. And I was like, what? Like how? And I'm like, okay, just go out there and like be yourself. But you know, you're just kind Harder of harder turn to. Yeah. 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 So that was interesting. Cause I was a baby face and then I go into the match with Brit and I was a heel and I'm like, this is whatever. We're just going to roll with it. <laughs> like right. I can, where I like can it. we, uh, like, where can we see you coming up? Where, what, what do you have coming up in the ring? Um, so I do have a match here in Arizona on July 16th, which I am going to start promoting probably a little bit later this week. Cause it's still, you know, over a month away. Um, so that's right now what I have on my calendar as far as matches. And then I'm sure some other things will come up. I'm just like very picky, um, on what I do, um, when it comes to wrestling these days. Well, I think, well, good for you. Because I think that that's like just the it seems very important because we all know nowadays that there are no real there is no such thing as a, just a live event or a house show. Everyone has a phone. So if you do something silly in a match that shows up five oh, yeah. years later on YouTube. Well, um, Danielle, so can you can you tell us where we can find you and follow you and subscribe to you and uh, uh, we can get you yes. more fans? So on Instagram, it's at Danielle Camella and then on Twitter this is actually funny. I have to mention this really quickly, but I was Vanessa born WWE up until I uh, worked for AEW because no one would change it for me, um, oh. you know, to keep my blue check. Sure. So I was just oh, trying yeah. to figure it out. And so fans would give me shit all the time. Like, oh, when are you going to change your Interesting. app, girl? Like stuff like that. I'm like, hmm. okay, you guys, it's not that I want to keep this, but I want my blue checks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wow. 
So it's finally been changed though. AEW helped me change it. So now it's all good. Yeah. So now Twitter is at Danielle underscore Camella because someone has at Danielle Camella, unfortunately. We'll find them. You'll go after them. You'll be the heel. That's the heel. That's the next. That's the next. We know it's Paul Heyman. Right. Um, (laughs) Also, if you want to uh, check out AEW, uh, it's AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night uh, on TBS at 8 p.m. If you want to check out AEW Rampage, that's every Friday night at 10 on TNT. And uh, Danielle and Julie and all the Mm -hmm. women. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. All the uh, but I want to thank you, yes. too. for This is this is so cool. And Danielle, thank awesome. you so much for coming on. This was such a fun of conversation. Course. And and uh, we know we're going to see you again. And, yes, uh, for sure. Please, please, and when, please, you, please. when you're in AEW, please get, give our best to Mr. Khan. <laughs> Tell him we're just joking when we when we talk. about we, And uh, it's all in good fun. <laughs> we love what he's doing. We love what you're doing as well, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you thank soon. Thank you Daniel. for coming on. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So, Julie, I don't, did you believe me when I told you all about Cody? Like, no. I told you, like, it was legit. And once you're hurt, they make you get more hurt. That's how it happens in, not in just in wrestling, in sports. When they know you're hurt past the point of return, it's like, okay, well, get out there and give us what what you can. I was at WWE during COVID. And the uh, medical team, you could not shoot them down. You did not mess with the medical team. If something was wrong or something happened, you just dealt with it and you figured it out and you didn't push back. And so coming out of a world of COVID, I think I was just shocked to see the medical team let him go out. Like, I was shocked that they anyone hasn't seen it. uh, I knew what was coming because uh, Triple H had the same injury and I had seen the pictures I think it happened to him once or twice because I think one time I saw it. I feel like somebody like I think Steph showed me a picture on the phone when we were doing something in the late night world, and then he did it. I think it happened again that year, or there was something. Maybe I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe people don't know about one of them, but uh, when I knew it was coming, when Cody took off his jacket in the ring, Ugh. and it's still like purple. It was yeah, purple. It was like for any basketball fans out there, it was a little bit like the Gordon Hayward injury, where you're just like. Even if someone tells you you're about to watch it, you can't really watch it. Uh, and it, he's purple in his arm. Is it was his uh, right arm, right? And all the way, I'm picturing it in my head, and all the way purple up through the pectoral muscle on his chest. So his chest and his arm are all legit purple, like grimace yeah. for McDonald's yeah. for crying out loud. There you go. Yes, that's. But I, but I'm just telling people that level purple. Yes. And right. had, and worked a hell in a cell match with Seth Rollins. For 20 minutes with one arm, literally with one arm. And it was real. (laughs) You were just like, and it was just that thing because we were texting. You were like, I don't think he's going to get cleared. I'm like, yeah, he is. If if it's, if it's off the bone or I thought it was work, just, I thought it was work. I truly did. I was like, this is a fake injury. It's so that Seth can go over and then they can do this again. It was reported. I can confirm that he was given Cody was given the option. You don't have to do this, but Cody's he's a Rhodes and said, I'm going to do it. He's Dusty's kid. I don't know. Shit. And, you know, like you and I also talked about the basketball player, Kevin McHale on the Boston Celtics, who in Mm -hmm. the 80s broke his foot. And he basically said to the trainer, so what's the deal? And they were like, well, it's broken. He's like, so it's already broken? Yeah. Well, it's broken then. Yeah. Well, might as well play. (laughs) It's broken. And um, it got more broken, as it turns out. (laughs) So you had that worry about Cody where it's like, and uh, man, credit Seth Rollins too for working that match. Yeah. Gosh, two things. First of all, to have to take a kendo stick and hit a guy, knowing what that feels, just knowing that that I mean, someone you're working with, God, that must just be like brutal. But secondly, that Cody got up in, in one piece. Great work by Seth. You know, it's sort of like we talked about Kevin Owens having the program with Austin, doing it on his own, kind of building mm-hmm. a feud as one person. I thought that um, the hero, obviously, that match is Cody, but great job by Seth Rollins, too, for, you know, he you could tell when he needed to fill time, when he needed to give Cody a beat, little things he'd do going under the ring, stuff like that. Just great work together. And then did um, you like his outfit, though? Oh, thanks for reminding me. I loved it Uh, (laughs) for the first time. Seth wins the Ryman fashion show in a positive way. 
Now this wasn't on Raw po- though. Polka We're talking dots. about his yeah. Correct. But at the at Hell in a Cell and polka dots like dusty yep. at first, and also a little bit of a uh, Easter egg, I think, and I could be wrong, but there was an angle where Dusty's uh, companion, Miss Sa- uh, Sweet Sapphire, was her name, feuded with Sherry Martell actually, huh? um, and was wooed away by Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and giving a given a black uh, mink coat as part of it. So when Seth took off the coat and the polka dots were there, I went back. And I said, oh, shit. Not only is that Dusty's outfit, I think that was also Sapphire. That was like a jab. There was like an Easter egg that like he was going after Sapphire, too, wearing the, the black when he did the reveal. Really great stuff. I thought that was really added a layer to it. And uh, Cody did a great job. I mean, it was almost like made me wonder if, Co- if Cody knew. Yeah. Sometimes that you don't know when you get out to the ring what the other guy's gonna be wearing if he's wearing a and like that Cody looked legit kind of pissed and so either either great acting or great rib is yeah. what I would say yeah um, but you were texting me last night when on Raw they beat the hell out of Cody again I he, audibly gasped actually yeah. and I the best thing I can do it is if you've ever if someone one of your terrible friends has sent you a video where there's a jump scare midway yeah. through like you're looking yeah. at this nice landscape and then there's a jump scare <laughs> yep and I'm watching it and I know Seth has the sledgehammer so in my brain I think the sledgehammer is going to come down but the camera cuts just at the right moment where Seth is midair and he his body lands on Cody's arm and I just... jump and gasp and my husband starts laughing at me and he was like what did you think was gonna happen two I was people. Like, it's it's Cody right? wondering just oh my god and then also Seth being like man if I screw this up oh right? my god like, right? I could just... literally end this guy's career anyway just... um, check it out on uh, Peacock if you can uh, hell on a cell that match it's great match Good. and um, great uh, I thought it was a, a a, for what it was, you know, I thought going in, I was a little judgy. Ended up being an entertaining pay per view, and I thought because yeah. of the those that beginning match, uh, the women's triple threat and the Hell in a Cell, great matches. And yeah. uh, as we've seen in recent years, Hell in a Cell could be tricky to pull off. So mm. um, hats off to both. Coats off, I guess I would say to a <laughs> Cody because goddamn, what a reveal! But then That's last funny. night on Raw, uh, after that, the Judgment Day, <laughs> man. So we made fun of the Judgment Day. And it felt like they made fun of us back last night because we've been talking about Edge. He's got the big chair. He's been borrowing the Undertaker because the Undertaker, people don't know that in the summertime, Undertaker goes and he works as a lifeguard, right? Down at the pool and he needs his big chair. And I guess because summertime's coming up, they knew that. And uh, they said, well, we're not going to have the chair. Uh, the chair's going to be gone. They're gonna, chair's going away for a while. Chair, chair's taking some personal time. Edge is out of the judgment day. He was kicked out of his own group. And I would say that they reveal uh, Finn Balor. It, that to me felt like a, a rushed thing. That felt None like, of this worked for me. None of yeah, this worked for me. It felt like, who do we got? Oh, Finn's right here. Finn, can you come out and do this? It, None it, of this worked It felt for like me. Uh, Liv when Liv was involved in, in the Bobby Lashley, Rusev yeah. thing. Where it's like, who do we got? Get out there. Uh, it, it worked in a way. Did um, it? I did. I don't know. I, here's what I say. I like the turn. I like the idea of um, Damian Priest becoming the leader and usurping edge. I thought they did a great job of the physicality. I thought it felt real. I thought edge who's excellent made it look real. Like I was like, Oh God, but my problems with it. And then I'll throw to you were, wait a minute. Now edge, who's been this demonic guy that we're all supposed to hate. Cause he's done hateful things. Now we're, we're pulling for him kind of. And also it felt about, it felt like by today's standards, at least three months, at least rushed three months too yeah. soon they were basically yeah. doing like with the 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 nation of domination when the rock took over for um gosh well he took over for ron simmons and then but that built that took yeah. place over a summer this it was all at once we just figured out the judgment day and now edge is out and a new guy's in charge right i'm with you i'm with you completely i don't think the judgment day was over i saw glimmers of hope and I was like, okay, I'm getting into it. If you do some more things, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll buy in the Judgment Day. But with Finn turning mm. on or getting everyone to turn on Edge, I was just like, I don't care enough about the Judgment Day to see them turning on the Judgment Day already. Unless um, there's an injury to Edge legit that we don't know about, which would be 
that like if that happened, then I call it chicken salad is is I mean, not not yeah. the we're not ripping off Bruce's podcast. everybody. So stop. But like the legit chicken shit, chicken salad expression, uh, which to his credit, Paul Heyman was great at. Mm. Um, so if something happened to Edge and personally or, you know, we you know Edge has an injury history and it was a risk for Edge to come back to some degree. So if there's something there then okay you did what you had to do and you made the best of it you you made you know you made the chicken salad but um i just now i'm like what edge kind of has to go away for a long time now do they have anybody for money in the bank at this point for the 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 male roster that's the problem (laughs) now is that every time so i'm think i'm thinking it might there must be something in real world to it and this probably was this had to have been where they were going. They were setting up Damian Priest. We were talking all the past month about the all rise thing. How yeah. Damian was emerging as kind of like, I think Tommy even made the comparison to the rock at one point that he was getting over kind of quicker in this sort of hmm. like villainous way. But I think like we thought end of year, like maybe like fall, that might be when they pull the trigger on that one after a subtle build that edge was losing power. I swerved me last night. It was entertaining. But then at the end, it was just like, it felt like hot shotting. I was just like, well, now what? And like you said, who's <laughs> if edge is going away, because he yeah. took a concerto, I think it was just like, um, I think well, I would have been more left. interested if edge was able to count down of adding a new member. I think I would have been more interested if they had added live to the judgment day, you know, if oh, they yeah. were able to well, make live a heel for some well, reason. interesting thing. And you and I talked about this last night, and this was just kind of me spitballing is obviously because it never ends. Um, the, well, you did have a good uh, pitch. I remember this. The Bray Wyatt rumors are still running rampant. First of all, a quick oh, yeah. note about Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt, he kind of had a double effect on WWE this weekend. He did. In yeah. that Bray Wyatt teasing a return. Now, again, plans changed for that Hell in a Cell main event. We know they changed. So who knows? Maybe there was some truth to that. But Bray's been teasing a return. Added the name Wyatt again. Wyndham Rotunda is now Wyatt again. So it's like, okay, that feels WWE-ish. Um, just that alone spiked ticket sales for Hell in a Cell. Wow. They sold out. It, ticket sales went way up. And the resale, the second and third market value was like astronomical. Just off of some tweets from wow. Wyndham Rotunda. But then the, the second part of that was... Um, some people at the end, even though that was a great pay-per-view in terms of the main events and the, the main event was great and the Hell in a Cell match was great, there were people saying, ah, bummer, no Bray. So in a way, I said to you, is like, Bray trolled WWE and that if he wasn't really going to be a part of this, by teasing it and not showing up, he basically set them up for, quote, creative failure, good for disappointment. However, made, made them money. more money. Yeah. So if you're Vince, are you taking that as a win or a loss knowing Vince like we do? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, I'm taking it as a win. I mean, you it's you money. made money. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, Bray, you worked us. Well, thanks, pal. Yeah. We, we sold out, <laughs> you know, sold a lot more merch. None of it was Sorry, yours. I, th- I thought you were going to talk about your creative idea where you thought a ref should oh. be added to the judgment day, which I, I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that, yeah, I, that's, that feel it may. And now that I hear it out loud, but my, my other I idea was it. that you had, I liked it had, better than what happened last night. Well, we had an interaction last night between Liv Morgan and Alexa bliss in the four, oh, the four yeah. way, uh, fatal four way women's main event. And I've said this last week where I'm like, can you tell me the difference between their characters? And there was almost a spot in the match where it was like, they were like, Hey, wait a minute. You're me and I'm you. Fuck you. We're going to fight. And they did. And I'm not going to get into the physicality of it because it felt a little late 90s ish, not in a great way. Uh, And if you heard the crowd reaction, I didn't think that was uh, a good pop. Um, But, you know, um, compelling as someone we know might call it. Um, But my angle was if you're going to bring Bray back, because that was one thing I always wanted to see was. Everyone kept trying, everyone that always tried to get into Bray. First of all, every story you ever hear about all these people that are like, yeah, I was almost in a Bray's stable. I was going to be in Firefly. None of them are true. None of, I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. I did not write that, but I knew the writer who wrote it. Uh, I knew Bruce. Uh, we pitched on Bray, three of us from Raw, whenever he would come on Raw. I was one of the three. And then we opened up to like the whole room. And then other people had fantastic ideas. Um, 
gentleman by the name of Aaron. I'd love to have Aaron on at some point. Uh, he had some great ideas for the Funhouse. Uh, there was never any talk. We were never adding, the, at least when I was there. Julia, when you were there, was anyone else ever being added as a physical person to the no. Funhouse other than Alexa? S- Smackdown and Raw were very separate at okay. that point. So, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, but my idea was, okay, say Bray does come back. Could you do, like a like, a... Could he could Bray go against the Judgment Day, but with his quote unquote disciples being Alexa, mm. kind of re embracing the fiendish persona, and then Liv, who may or may not have been almost going to do something similar at the end of 2019, and I think mm. has been hinting at that for a while. And so then you'd have sort of the one stable, it's a girl and two guys, and another one, it's a guy and two girls. Yeah. And it's sort of a unique yeah. dynamic. And if you do a mixed tag that's a weird that's a crazy match and then also you get two characters with bray you get on yeah. my other pitch for everybody put put, put the fun house or on one show maybe smackdown friday because it's kids you get to have fun with puppets and then you bring out the fiend to go crazy and just shock everybody on monday night raw because it sounds like they're playing with the brand but anyway that was a interesting note there um and i want to give a, a just a quick shout out before we go the miz we've talked about the miz before my goodness, that was some entertainment last what a night. Champ. Between what a that was champ. a great promo. Uh, to, to shout out to anyone who wrote that creative. Uh, between uh, Riddle and uh, the Miz and Maurice, I thought that was just hilarious. I thought every line worked. It felt like a good SNL cold open where it, 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 it you know sketch better than me, Julie, but it felt like it pushed things through as okay. Matt, as Riddle came in. Every joke elevated. And can I can I share a can I share one time I worked with the Miz and Dolph? I don't know. Oh, please. Um, Love them both. Pandemic times. Dolph's we're all great, helping out way. each other. Yeah. Um, Dolph and uh, the Miz were. No, no, no. It wasn't Dolph. Was it Dolph? No, well, it must have been Morrison. It must have been Morrison. Was oh, it okay. Morrison and the Miz? Yeah, it was I Miz and so. Morrison. Yeah. They they were a tag team. Apologies. Dolph is great though. Shout um, out to Dolph. And. Uh, Things got changed. Everything is is constantly changing all the time. And uh, they were doing a segment. I don't even remember about what they didn't like what was written for them. And uh, it was great. I was just helping them try to develop it. And the Miz goes, hey, do you mind just like I'm just going to spitball here? And I was like, sure. Great. And he was like, let's let's turn on your recorder. And I was like on my phone. And essentially, he uh, literally just said the most perfect promo in the entire world in two oh. minutes. And I'm just sitting there like typing like yeah. this. That's so cool. And then he said, uh, I think that's it. And I was like, I, I definitely <laughs> think this is yeah. it, too. I think yeah, he was it. in the same class as Bray and they were very good friends. And God. that cl- what a great class. Like that so good. So and, um, and and now I have on my phone this recording oh, of the Miz have it? cutting this perfect promo. Oh, it's it's truly the best thing in the world. It's it's one of my favorite. Man, if we, I'd love to have the Miz. I'd love to have Miz and Maurice on. I want to so like funny. a bit, but I'd love to. But I'd love to see if he's cool with us playing that promo if we ever get. Oh, because I'd I love mean, to hear it because I think it's like a demo funny. from like an album. Oh, it's I'm true. Not gonna, it is like a demo. I just want to say Riddle and Miz put on the the promo and the match took me back to in a good in a good way. Uh, the late nineties uh, when I was in high school watching wrestling where it was just 100% entertaining. Everything about it was good. Maurice was yeah. fantastic. She was so funny. And also more uh, mixing storylines. I really yeah. like that. Even though the 24 seven title with Becky and Oscar, it, it felt yeah. insane. It was yes. insane in, in a such good a way. good way. Good crash TV. Where it was just like, what's happening? And then immediately after that, you've got riddle crashing that. Yep. And I'm just like, all of these storylines were just, you know, they're just passing each other. And I'm like, do more of that. It, yes. That energy feels so good. And so when Kevin Owens and Ezekiel is out there, I'm like, Ken, but you know, Bobby Lashley and almost, do you know what I mean? You yeah, know what, yeah. what, how can we just, you know, <laughs> cross paths in this? I like it. I, I don't want to spoil the match, but I'll tell people go on, uh, go on demand or, or go on Hulu um, or on YouTube, wherever you can find it or Peacock in like what, two months when they update their Monday night Raws. Exactly. Sorry, I'm not, yes. it's not a dig. It's just true. It's not. I think, it's I just think true. It's, it's on purpose, though. Um, <laughs> check out uh, Miz and um, and Riddle from Monday Night Raw, June 6, 22. It is. I'm not going to. I'll just say this. It's there's a line at the very beginning about the Miz's testicles, shall we say. 
and you think it's just a line, but there's a call. There's a callback at the very end of this whole segment that I was like, that's great. I was like that. That's great. And I'm sure that um, that that had to be some some knee slapping of a very expensive pants going on backstage in Gorilla and just saying, God, throwing down the headsets in a good way and saying, I hope it I hope it was a writer who came up with that. But my gut tells me the Miz might have. uh, So good. If if you want to see um, Monday Night Raw, it is every Monday at eight on the USA Network. It's right now it's being followed by Miz and Mrs. This is a reality show with Maurice. And of course, don't forget. Friday Night Smackdown, every Friday night at 8 on Fox. Thank you so much for listening to Turnbuckles. A big thanks to Danielle for being on the show. We absolutely loved having her here. She is phenomenal. Uh, Look out for her in in mid-July. And then subscribe. Give us five stars and leave a nice review. I would really like it. It would make me so happy. And the writers, man, they killed it last night. Let them dress like writers, please. And uh, feel better, Tommy. And in honor of Tommy, I will say... See you next time, buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.